Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at All right, guys. So a lot of people ask us, how do they make a podcast? So I'm going to let you know a secret on the easiest, most productive way to start a podcast and get it up and running. And that is the app called Anchor. It's free. They have all kind of cool creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They will distribute your podcast for you to all of the major outlets, including Spotify, Apple, Google and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple, easy place. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's do it. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop, bag drop, bag drop. You know, from the time that I was young, like you kind of guys, I familiarize you with, you know, my story about when we being young. I always had a model of cutting out the middleman, right? So, like, if you take my restaurant, I sell breakfast and brunch. How many times have you been to brunch on a Monday morning? Uh, never been, yeah, never been. <laughs> right. Right. So, so now I'm in an industry in which seventy percent of my customer base is gonna come Saturday or Sunday, right? Right. And then I'm in a white neighborhood, so a lot of my clients I was black, which means that they drove to the restaurant, right? I don't have parking, so you drove, you had to go out of your way, you know. And then from when you finally get in there, you're looking for an experience, and that can't happen in thirty minutes. So being able to really identify who my customers are and what they want. Allow me to really focus on just a small niche audience. So most people can admit they have a mentor brunch on Tuesday, unless you live in LA and you like wealthy and shit. You know what I mean? You got some spare, <laughs> got some spare time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like it was easier for me to be able to figure out what really meant some. Also, a several pieces to it. Um, I don't have to cut labor. Everybody coming on the same time. Everybody get paid the same amount of thing. Yeah. They can go home. I can kind of gauge the labor in that way. Um, no food goes to waste. We run everything in small batch. And when we're out of things, we're out of things because people understand the concept, right? Yeah. So those things really made sense. And then also, I knew that it would create an allure in the sense that people would want to come there and it would, it would, it would foundationally be a destination place. Yeah. So it's like now everybody got to cram in these two days. For this place that's really remarkable. Yeah, it's, like, so, it's like a limited quantity of Yeah, it. it's limited quantity. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that, you know, that approach and that model is pretty pretty brilliant. And the fact that y'all is doing it because one of the fastest growing chains in America is called First Watch. It's like yeah. this restaurant chain. And they have a similar model where they specialize just in breakfast and brunch. Yeah. But they're only open from 7 to 2.30. And their thing was like the same thing you said. It's like the work... Uh, quality of it, like everybody loves coming because there's no there's one shift, and yeah. then the employee retention rate is great because people have work like uh, work home balance where they can get home, yeah, it provides pick a, a level of pick their kids up, and they can still make dinner, and everybody loves it. So like that's interesting that you guys are doing because it seems to be a trend that's going to start happening in, in our country. Yeah, and also um all right, so because in this show 
So a lot of shows I watch on YouTube, like I watch these gurus, quote unquote gurus on YouTube for 45 minutes. And I don't, I don't know what I actually watched at the end of the like, It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. They, they talk in circles for 45 minutes. And then it's like, okay, subscribe to my private YouTube channel yeah, for a premium yeah. $900 a month or go to my seminar. So it's like, we're going to give you the straight blueprint of how to be successful. Yeah. Whether you take it or not, it's up to you. But we want to give you all the tools that you need to be successful. So can we talk about as far as... um. Like revenue, like how how your revenue model actually works. Yeah, because like, right the thing about it is that, especially in the black community, how I see it is that entrepreneurs we have three types of businesses that we always aspire to be. Right? Let's, say go, let's, let's, let's do the list: barbershop, hair salon, mm-hmm. number one. That's number one, right? And then clothing store. Yep. And then a restaurant. I don't know why, but everybody is like everybody's dream to have a restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the hardest businesses to actually be successful in. Like yeah. I think like ninety five percent of restaurants. We kind of came to the conclusion that it's a status thing, but I, yeah, so your so model. But yours is actually working. It's working, yeah, and so it's still a status thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, yeah, so, so we're talking dope. about revenue and like how. Yeah. Can you All right. So in the restaurant industry, just specifically in my industry, you have three general costs, which is you have labor costs. You have food costs, and then you have overhead, right? So overhead are the fixed costs, which is the cost of the building, operating expenses, whether it's trash removal, grease removal, uh, gas and electric, your cable, things like that. Those things won't go away. They're fixed, right? And then you have labor costs, which is obviously the cost of having people on staff that can officially execute whatever it is that you want to do. And then you have food costs. Um, so I, I scaled a model in a way in which the profit was already built in. So it was, um, I like to call it winning at the table. So I went at the table. Like, for example, with me, my highest price selling item is the chicken and waffle, but it's the most highly consumed item. Um, a lot of times people who are in the restaurant industry, they tend to sell things because they have an allure to them or they, they look really nice or they think it's going to attract a certain crowd of people, not considering food costs. Mm. Food costs can really sink the ship if you don't really focus on that. My fixed costs and my labor costs are below uh, the industry standard. So, like, say, for example, let's take a chicken and waffle, for example, right? And I say, all right, it takes me $2 to make this chicken and waffle. And I'll ask a young kid, so what are you selling for? They sell $6. Why? Because that's what I thought I should sell it for. Versus, like, if you take me, I'll take the chicken and waffle at 2 bucks, and I know my food cost to be 20%, right? So I times about 5 So I've already won at the table. Yeah. I don't have to make an assumption. But then I might add a $2 margin on it and sell it for $12. Why? Because now you're going to take utensils. You're going to want syrup to go. Yeah. You know, uh, it might be a situation where they might burn your chicken and waffle. And then you got to make another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to win at the table. Um, in my industry, the margin is about 5 to 6% for the owner of what you'll typically make, which you'll typically net. I'm netting them, I mean, 25 30%. So I'll break the model down. It's real simple. Um, my fixed cost weekly is $700. Between the supper club and homemade brunch, we grows anywhere from fifteen to twenty grand. My food cost is twenty percent. So let's take the twenty grand, which is the higher number, right? So my food cost is twenty percent. That means that four percent, four thousand goes to food, right? I already told you that my fixed cost was seven hundred, right? Which leaves me roughly at forty seven hundred. That leaves me at fifteen three, right? I run a seven man band. I pay all of them a salary, so all seven people get seven hundred dollars a piece. That's forty nine hundred, right? That leaves me with ten grand, gross. Mm-hmm. By the time net and all that is extracted, maybe I might walk away with seventy five hundred, maybe eight grand. You know, considering that I got state taxes and I also got my personal income tax. So now, how is it that I'm able to make three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year when we only grossing a million dollars? But in a typical restaurant, for me to make three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, I had to gross five million dollars. Right. It's a winning model. Why? Because my fixed costs are lower. 
Why? Because my, my food costs have already been priced out, so I made sure I went at the table. And then I put all my employees in, on a salary wage, that way I don't get caught up in hourly and dollars. So it makes sense for us. Like right now. Blueprint. That's that's <laughs> Yo, I hope notes Yo, just taken. I don't even think I fully appreciate <laughs> first of all, I want to thank you for saying that because a lot of times people they don't give the blueprint, right? Or they yeah, don't yeah, they yeah. they're they're like stingy with their numbers or they're like it's hit it's hitting secret. So I want you to fully appreciate That's just the store too. That don't include the trucks. That's not even including right. the trucks. I want y'all to fully appreciate somebody just coming in and laying it on the table, right? Like I said, we I don't know what else we can do. Like we try we're trying to help yeah. you out as best way we possibly can, but it's important to have a plan. That's yeah. the thing I like when we spoke on the phone. You have a plan in place, mm-hmm. right? Then another quick piece I will advise people to really focus on too is um Play small ball for a while. Don't get so caught up on perception of what people think. So, like, for example, if you were to say, Derek, well, how would you scale your brand if you had no money? Let me give you that, right? So, all right, for example, if I had no money and I had the same food, what I would do is I would do a pop-up and I would do collabs. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, say, for example, you guys have a podcast. I'm sure you got to eat eventually. And I would say, well, let me pop up at the podcast, bring some attention to my brand, and I'll make you guys chicken and waffles, right? right? Pop-ups create collabs because now I draw attention to who you are. So the things that you can focus on, which are free, which is your content that you can produce and put out, mm-hmm. right? The image of your brand and the projections and the messages that you convey, and then the relationships that you can create based off of the content that you created, which can allow you to further part of your brand. And that's the reason why I'm here. So now those collabs create situations where now you can generate enough money to maybe not get a restaurant, a brick and mortar but maybe a food truck, yeah. maybe a cart. And then the cart generates flow. You have to understand that flow is data. So all of the customers who come into my restaurant, yeah. I make sure that they're aware that I have a supper club. I make sure that they connect with me through social media. I make sure I got your phone number and I make sure I got your email. So now I'm texting you pictures of the chicken and waffle while you at work all day. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, I, and I'm creating that flow. There's another concept that we execute from time to time called a brunch and go, a brunch pop-up, of which I can show pictures of my meals, right? And I can send them out. I can mass text them. You guys can order them through the cash app, and then you can come pick them up from my house. Yeah. That's a very effective, very efficient, very clean way in which you don't have any waste. You don't have any overhead. You don't have any labor. It's easy to scale the brand that way. Yeah. And that's like one of the things, that, again, that... We're starting to see the restaurant industry grow to is like these ghost restaurants or these stay at home restaurants yeah. where people are making them based on their orders. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And Chick fil A actually just created two fulfillment centers where it's just delivery. So yeah. you order and they just ship it to you. Again, it saves money on food costs because we're only making it when somebody orders it. Yeah. Um, and the data, like you said, that's important. Now, the data, yeah, the data, what did important. you say again? You said data is, you said something. Data is, um, information. You said, well, I'll say it to say this. Be interested in the people who are interested in you. So like case in point, you and your wife come into the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. It's four of you guys. So I've already bought you in. So it's easier for me to sell laterally, which means that now I can collect data from you and say, look, I know you're interested in a brunch. How would you feel about a supper? How would you feel about a wedding? How would you feel about an event? And then grow your business laterally with the people who are coming in. Mm-hmm. I learned that my first store and just being wrong, being real, that you know, I thought I had all these great products and I thought that people needed them. So I would go outside to the people who I felt needed them and they weren't interested in them. But you guys are sitting here right now and you want them. Right. And it's easier for me to be able to grow my brand. Also, in terms of wealth accumulation, it's always easy to grow laterally so that you can accumulate wealth. What do I mean by that? Meaning like as opposed to me getting seven stores, I could find seven streams in one store. Right. So now you got to realize that I can I can coach. I can consult. I can speak. I got the restaurant, I got the food truck, 
I got events. I got the brunch and go. That's seven streams of income. The average millionaire got six to seven streams of income. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything else for me to get wealthy. I just need to perfect the things that I'm doing. Perfect your craft. Yeah, you have it right where you are. All right. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah. all right. So, the next topic we're going to go to is scaling your business and taking your business to the next level. All right. So, now you have the, um, the back story. You have the current story. We're going to take it to the next level. So, before I even start, we were kind of debating... Whether we're going to do the last segment on some other stuff that's in the news right now, it's entertaining, but this is more important, right? This is so, like the blueprint. Yeah, series. we're gonna we're gonna get back to that next week. We're gonna give you some more entertaining stories next week. But this is something that you can actually utilize in your day to day life and be successful and make some money. So we thought that this would be more important to cover for the last segment. So now we're gonna go into how to scale your business, right? Because it's one thing to have a business. It's another thing to have a successful business. And it's another thing to have a successful business that can run without you and can grow into multiple locations. And you can actually make some money from it because we know that most entrepreneurs aren't really making money. They're struggling, right? Yeah, yeah. So scalability. Yeah. What's your, what's your ideas on scalability? All right. So for me, it always starts with the end in mind. You know what I mean? So the only way that you can scale is know where you're trying to go. Always related to like, if we get out of here right now, we all going somewhere, whether it's a red light, whether a deer run across the road, whether it's a stop sign, you continue to go. Mm -hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs are just starting. So it's like you start the ignition up to the car and like now you're waiting. No one's going to give you direction because we don't have any mentors. Speaking from an African-American perspective. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So in terms of the scalability of the brand, you have to have a vision as to how you see opportunity in your industry for you to be able to grow in perpetuity. So it always start for me with my grandkids. So like we say, I'm hustle for my first name, I hustle for my last, right? So like, why why get the trucks? Because the stores, I already told you the store model, right? So the the trucks are for my grandkids. Right. So when it comes to scaling your brand, you have to you have to be focused on a handful of things. You have to have low overhead. You know what I'm saying? You have to know how to grow your brand laterally in a way in which that you can generate multiple streams. Without no more cars. So like, okay, I did the supper club. So let's talk about the supper club. Well, if you look at the supper club menu, right? I got lamb chops, broccolini, and asparagus, right? But it's the same lamb chops that's with eggs and potatoes in the, at the brunch. So I'm not selling anything else. If you don't buy that brunch, I'm going to dim the lights down. You're going to buy it tonight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're not going to reinvent this. <laughs> yeah, so you know what I'm saying? It's like we have to understand what it's going to take. So I think low overhead is key. I think uh, bringing in partnerships, creating partnerships is definitely key for black businesses. If you don't create partnerships, the days of being self-employed and sitting in your house doing someone's taxes and thinking you're going to be on a Fortune 500 is over with. Yeah, that's a, that's a very so, yeah, can you start that partnership yeah. collaboration? A lot, a lot of times in our community, we are so hesitant to work with each other because it's like, I want to make it out. I want to make it out. Not knowing that. If we look across, like that person's trying to make it too. Yeah, like I told you, like with the supper club, it's Randy Problay, who's a partner of mine, and Kevin Vaughn. These gentlemen have come on and um, endured the stresses of starting up something new, but I've gotten better and better too. So constantly challenging myself. Like when I built out the, the first restaurant, it was six months. The second one was four months. I built out the supper club in 40 days. Mm. I'm talking about we had no menu. We had nothing. We just had a general feel and the message that we wanted to deliver, and we built off of that. So in order for you to scale your brand, it's going to definitely take collaborations, especially if you're black. It's definitely going to take uh, minimal overhead, doing as much sweat equity as you can, to make sure that everything kind of remains intact in terms of financing. But then also coming under the fold of someone who's greater than yourself. Like for me, I'm in a rare space because it's no it's no black five-star restaurants in Baltimore. 
So I kind of set the standard for what is to be, but also I have to navigate through a lot of valleys and hills first. Yeah. So like I always equated to like cowboys and Indians where like, you know, the cowboy would look out and they, all the Indians would shoot him with the bow and arrows. I got to get shot first, yeah. but I'm willing to do that if it provides a, a gateway or a path for you. So it's more specifically when it comes to scaling businesses, I think that you have to have a plan and a way in which you see yourself in that business years from now. So always think about your grandkids and then reverse engineer. So, like, that's what I do when I solve problems in my business. I don't focus on the, the shit that's good. Like, oh, the food is nice and, yeah. you know, the, the decor is nice. But what about the fact that every week when they say they come here, they feel like the lines are too long? Mm. Or, you know, maybe they all want hot syrup with the pancake instead of just, you know, room temperature syrup. So, I think you got to reverse engineer. So, it all goes into how you see it. So, in terms of my business model, we all know I got the real estate piece. So, it's a mixed-use property. It's commercial downstairs. Yeah, can you talk about that? Or let me talk about that. Okay, so... It's real simple with my piece. You know what I'm saying? So I have a mixed-use property, right, which means that it's commercial slash residential. There are tenants upstairs. The tenants pay the rent upstairs. And now I have to deal with the rest of it downstairs, which leaves me with a minimal to no overhead because now you have people who've leveraged the cost. So I speak to entrepreneurs who have a brick and mortar. Yeah. Find other ways to use what you already have outside of, instead of going outside of the scope of what you're doing. Yeah, so like say... If you have a beauty salon and then you can allow someone to double it and use the space as a barbershop. Stop getting so caught up in the thick of really thin things. I call it we major in minor things. So black people, we tend to major in minor things and we make things that are really important. We sit them behind the minor thing. Like, what are people going to think of me versus creating wealth? Right. You know what I'm saying? How am I going to be perceived if I rent my space? It's going to be perceived like I don't got money oh, the versus, doing versus the additional income. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe I might not want to just stuff the uh, the lamb chops with lobster this week to save a dollar. You know what I'm saying? So those things are extremely important. How we look is, is extremely, like, it's a very big thing to us. But whereas for me, it was like, yo, when I first started my brand, like I told you, I came into the game with 100 grand, right? Yeah. I could have gotten caught up in ego and been like, well, I'm not going to clear this plate or I'm not going to wash these dishes because this is not what count. But I think the division always allows you to surmount. So even when you busting tables, you thinking about I'm gonna have eight locations in ten years. So yeah. what does it matter? Long or you thinking about your last name? Think about the long term. Keep the overhead head low. Focus on collaborations and get under people who have more knowledge than you. Now that's I just well, just one minute before you go, Troy, because what you said was very important. I don't want that to go over people's heads. So you're making money from the tenants upstairs, and that's pretty much covering the cost of the restaurant. So that saves you a lot. Yeah, of the tenants upstairs cover about roughly sixty percent of the note. So that, that's important to understand because you have to find creative ways to leverage. And that's the scaling model in general. So when people come to me and they say, well, Doug, I think you look great in this strip mall, this shopping center. It don't fit the model. Mm. So the only way I could grow my brand is through mixed-use properties that are townhouses or apartments in which I'm at the bottom. That's what that looks like. So now let's, now let's really think about it and break it down. It's no longer a restaurant play. It's a real estate play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the, that's the key. So some of the things that um, people want to know is like, what are the qualities you need to be an owner? Um, so we did a little research and likability is one, being able to multitask, uh, being able to delegate. And one of the most interesting things I, I read was being able to thrive under stressful conditions. And I think that gets overlooked. You want to talk about some of the, sh the setbacks? Stresses. Yeah, the stress. The stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, never, yeah. it's never all good. Never <laughs> no, all it's good. never all good. It's yeah. never all good. Um, For me, yeah. I mean, especially as a black person, because, you know, my restaurant is all black. You mm -hmm. know, the staff is black. Um, We hire 
any and everyone was qualified, but I focus on black, you right. know, because we need it. Mm-hmm. So they the hardest to work with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, they the hardest to work with. And the so, reason why is because we don't have models. So like when you have when you got models, you can buy anything. So I always speak, I I, I generally I mentor and I hire mostly young black men. They the hardest to deal with because they don't buy into anything because they can't say, well, well, Derek, your dad is a third generation restaurateur. And we've seen you guys come through the ranks because my dad worked for your dad. And now I can believe in this. Right. But we tend to believe in Nordstrom's because it's 55 or 80 locations and they got billions of dollars and they're going to give you all these wages and all this shit is going to be promised to you. So you tend to focus on today. It's very difficult as a as a black entrepreneur because we get the most resistance from our people. So I'll explain to you how I, what I mean when I say that. Let's talk about consumerism. So that's something that's big to me, right, versus support. Well, I support black business. Well, support is more of a philanthropic thing. So if you see that I'm doing what I'm doing or you decide to cash at me or you, or you know someone that might be in my industry who can help provide an additional service or more mentorship, then that's support. But if you come to me and you pay for a chicken and waffle because it's great, because you like it, then that's consumption. And we really have to educate the consumers on what consumption really means. Support doesn't mean that because you came to my restaurant and you spent some money, you supported me. Mm. No, because I didn't have to drag you up to support Mercedes. You got a Mercedes outside. (laughs) You ain't had to say, oh, you lucky I came in here and supported y'all. You know, (laughs) you know, right? Three years, I'll see you again. Yeah, but with us, it's a certain level of like, you owe me. Yeah, you owe me. You know, entitlement. Entitlement yeah. comes with it. So with that entitlement, we have to understand what that looks like, too, because, okay, this is another way in which you can scale black businesses, a, robo- a robust top line. You got to make sure that you funnel any and every dollar, not just you come by the chicken and waffle, keep doing your thing, bro. Hey, appreciate you, sis. Y'all have a good one. No, really piling that shit on. Yeah. Your mother birthday, yeah. Valentine's Day, yeah. your anniversary. Add to your kid's soccer game. Dump it on because it will allow us to make a certain amount of money and then we'll overcome obstacles, we'll surmount mistakes, and we can scale. Because, I mean, it really all boils down to sales. Yeah. For real, for real. I can scale. I can have a mediocre business, but if I'm generating a lot of sales, then I can scale. McDonald's. They don't got the best burger you ever had, but they got a system. They got a consistent flow, and scalability looks likely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus your uncle, he make a great burger, but you go once in a while. Yeah. You got to keep going. You got to keep going and going and going and going and going. And you got to also understand that these businesses are in a different place than most businesses. So you're going to have to endure failures as a customer. Like, for example, if I'm working on an iPhone and it ain't working out, I can take that shit back to a research lab and figure it out. Yeah. Versus if I say, look, I'm going to try this new syrup this weekend. It directly goes on your plate and it has a direct effect on you as a customer, which can come directly back to me. So those things are important. A robust top line. A robust top line. And patience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Troy, that you want to? Um, no, you kind of touched but on But the, the last thing before we before we um, wrap it up is that I want to talk about, so you have a unique story and you have a unique look too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So you're in the Inner Harbor. Are you in the Inner Harbor or like yeah. outside the Inner Harbor? Like we are on the other side of the Inner Harbor. So it's two pieces. It's the tourist side of the Harbor and then it's the more exclusive side of the Harbor that's based off residential. So I'm okay. right across the street from the Rich Coast. Okay. All right. So if anybody's not familiar, like I said, I used to live in Baltimore. But if, anybody has, if anybody's never been to Baltimore, Baltimore is an interesting city, like most cities. Um, you know. Still segregated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Inner Harbor is a wealthy neighborhood. It's right on the water. Um, very affluent businesses. You have the risk costs and stuff like that. So 
you're uh, a black. Are you the only black owned restaurant in, in Harbor in that area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only black owned restaurant in that in that area. And I'm assuming a lot of your customers aren't black, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a mixed crowd, probably. But mm-hmm. so you don't fit the traditional business model that somebody might look, right? So yeah, they look at you yeah. and they say, okay, how did, how have you been able to overcome that? Because a lot of times people. You know, they don't want to compromise who they are as a person, yeah. but they struggle with that, especially yeah. us, right? Like, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, struggle we with, do I cut my braids off? Do I, do I have the shade? Do I have a tattoo? Like, right. my name is, is different than your name. So it's like, how, how have you been able to overcome that? And or has that been an issue for you at all? No, no, it's definitely been an issue. Um, for, for me specifically, no, for them, I personally don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just being honest, like, so. Um, no, it's, it's been an issue. I think I've always remained true to myself. Um, my mother taught me at a young age to stay grounded in who I am and my beliefs. Uh, I knew what I was doing was different. I knew when I did, like, for example, like, I knew when I was doing a black business in a white neighborhood that not only was I a black man getting out of prison and doing something that was new, but the likelihood of me surviving was slim to none. I'll explain something to you because when you got a black business, say I got a black restaurant in a black neighborhood, right? I immediately come out of the doors of my establishment in the community, embrace me. Mm-hmm. They're looking forward to me. Yeah. They're going to stop and get me at lunch, dinner, breakfast after they get off work. When they see me cleaning up outside my store, they salute me. It's a level of support there that's just obvious, it's right? It's built in. Yeah, it's built in. But how many, uh, just not even, not even restaurants, how many black businesses are in the affluent white neighborhoods that make it period? You know what I'm saying? And then let alone we open on the weekends. And then let alone I don't have any partners. Mm. You know, in terms of my economics and things like that. And then let alone, like, we don't have the cheapest cars. We sell everything a la carte. You know what I mean? We're not offering any deals. Mm. You know what I mean? It just, it just built off of quality. Mm. So it was a strong belief system for me specifically from the beginning that allowed me to stay the course. We want to thank you for, um, for coming in. Yeah. And to, 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 to being so honest and opening up. You know your playbook, right? Because you yeah. didn't have to do that, right? And yeah. um, this is something, like I said, with this show, we we're taking a unique approach to it, where we, we really want to educate. You know, and um, I think that entrepreneurship is something that's very important. And even in college, right? Like they don't teach you this certain stuff in mm-hmm. business school and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. to hear it from a real world perspective, as somebody that you know people can relate to, somebody from the community, somebody from the neighborhood. Is uh, it's encouraging and yeah. and and it's also it's important. It's and, important. And for those of us who are in culinary school and like can't figure it out, like this is we built this. You built this from the ground up. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was no formal school that you went to, right? Yeah. You built this from the ground up from based off experiences. Yeah. Um, and one avenue just resonated into another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. One medium, you took some some ethics and some some morals, and you brought it to a different one. And that's powerful. And it's all, I'm not to cut you off, but it's also can be related to any business, not just restaurants, right? right? So we're talking about the restaurant business today because you own a restaurant. But the business model and the ideas and the general principles of business can be applied to anything. Like you Mm -hmm. said, whether it's a hair salon, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a sneaker store, no matter what it is, you see, I just named those three different things that I talked about before, right? No you matter had, you what, added a sneaker store. That's time. a clothing store. So no matter what it is, it can be applied to. So that's something that's important. And you got to respect the entrepreneur, too, because like I, that's another thing I don't really feel like I touched on enough. Like, black people, you know, I'm just, I like to speak to them. <laughs> yeah, so black people, like, you know, from the consumption side, understand what it looks like when a black person is establishing a business or entity and what it's going to take for you to grow them. But more specifically, young black people who work for black people, mm. 
Know what that takes to be able to build out that brand. Dedicate your sweat equity to those companies because they need you more than the white entities. Right? We talk about it all the time. Ruth Chris rich enough. Nordstrom's rich enough. Macy's rich enough. So it's so crazy because like when you're speaking about the culinary school, the young black kids come out the culinary school. They want to work for the fucking Four Seasons. Mm. And you're like, yo, you ain't never think to allocate even my customers. My customers come in the store, right? Your son will, will come out of culinary school. You'll let him work for the Four Seasons. But your cousin who getting out of jail, you pull me straight up. <laughs> you pull me straight up. Yeah, look, man, just to let you know, you know, my cousin just got out of the joint. He need a job. Yeah. But what about your daughter? She got a master's degree. She need a job. Yeah. Nah. That's a fact. Yeah. Nah, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she need a job. Yeah. Stop sending out, in some cases, I would say worst potential at your best talent because... We don't do that with LeBron and all them. When we see that a young black kid is he fifteen years old and he's six nine and he could dribble, we gotta make sure he. Yo, we 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 clamoring like yo, keep him out of trouble and make sure he get home. Yeah. But when you see the young black entrepreneur who's twenty years old who's selling nachos, you know, like my young man Keller from Nacho Bank, he's selling nachos. You throw him to the wolves. Yeah. Oh, you know my cousin, my uncle, my cracky uncle. Can he sweep the steps up? Mm. No, stop doing that because they do that all the time. They tend to undermine the value of our entrepreneurs where and essentially our entrepreneurs and our creatives are the future. Mm. Because I don't give a fuck how high he could jump. Eventually he gotta retire. I don't give a fuck how fast he runs, somebody gonna run fast. That business is forever. It could last in perpetuity. The duration of a business can go on for generations. Right. It could go on for decades. So a person could do business up until the time they 85, 90, we still got 90 year old CEOs and shit. Like Al Davis who ran the Raiders until he was like fucking 90, so then he died, died right? Yeah, then so like a Jerry Jones. That shit go on forever. Yeah. So, you know, the musicians, the creatives, um, um, the entrepreneurs, they have to be supported the same way the athletes are supported. I'm not taking anything away from the athletes, but to me personally, I feel if my son could read and he could, he could, he could assimilate information and he could impart that information out and he could get his ideas out to the world, then he could make more money than LeBron James. He could create more opportunity for people than LeBron James. And he could give more back. Because that's not really talked about either. That that whole, yo, what it look like to work for the black man? What it look like to be the black man who owned it? And then what it look like to consume from the black man? Eight, three different perspectives. That's a fact. It's a fact. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.